is not the answer Never was, never will We will never live in peace unless and until We learn to love each other Not bomb, maim and kill Cause war is not the answer Never was and never will Think of all Hello, my name is Julie Estime with Massachusetts Peace Action and you're listening to Peace Zone. Peace Zone is a series featuring a wide variety of expert speakers who all want the same thing. Peace. We'll do our best to keep you up to date with the most pressing issues of injustice. This week's episode comes from the Building Sustainable Security Conference that happened November 21st. This segment features Susan Redlich from 350 Massachusetts and Divestment Core Team, who spoke on the climate movement and justice. I am so inspired. I feel so lucky to be here, to be hearing these words. And I, I would like to have a union card that says sustainable security member. And maybe we can all be part of that union. I'm going to be speaking a little bit more about uh, being a volunteer and what it means to be active. Because that's where the climate movement is now. It's active. And we have so many people signing up, getting involved, and I believe it's for basically the same reason I'm doing it. I don't want to be alone. And there's so much more strength and power by working together, and you can feel that by not being silent, you have a truth to carry to other people. Just like I'm getting nourished here by what I'm hearing, and that helps me to talk to other people. And I think this word security is really a good one because everybody has fears. And if we can say, well, wait a minute, we know a way to sustainable security that makes everybody feel at least uh, more safe. So the climate justice movement is all about sustainable security. This movement of multiple campaigns has a shared vision that a just transition to a sustainable, clean energy economy can be achieved, one that doesn't expose local communities to pipeline leaks or expose workers' pension funds to the loss of value by holding on to fossil fuel assets or expose frontline communities to housing displacement in the code name of flood prevention. The test of climate justice is that the solutions to the crisis must involve the most impacted and vulnerable communities. The focus by all must be a commitment to address the disproportionate burden of climate change on poor and marginalized communities. And there are a lot of indigenous people that aren't in this room that have shown us the way to sustainably living with the environment and their voices need to be heard at the highest levels. I think that in New England we are at a beginning stage of listening to each other and showing up for each other's actions. People have mentioned the Black Lives Matter events. Uh, There was a rally for refugees last night that uh, huge turnout and the march for uh, $15 minimum wage had a real mix of, of people. By the way, mark your calendars for December 12th, Saturday, the day after the Paris Climate Talks ends, we'll be joining forces with our allies in the labor and immigration movements for a massive rally for jobs, justice, and climate. It'll be on the Boston Common from 1 to 3, that's December 12th. 
What is the climate movement? What started as a campaign focused on individual actions to reduce the demand for carbon and fuel consumption is now a global political campaign to stop the supply of carbon and methane. That is a campaign to keep it in the ground. Last week, for example, yeah, um, there were four, there have been 40 people so far arrested in West Roxbury. What are the arenas the climate movement is organizing to address the crisis? Uh, as a volunteer, I'll briefly summarize five of them. For starters, advocacy for public policies that are consistent with the limits of carbon budget. A very short window is available to take measures to stay within the limit of using no more than one-fifth of known carbon reserves. This is a carbon emissions budget that is referred to. If we blow the emissions budget, atmospheric temperature will increase by more than two degrees Celsius in a mere 30 years, exposing communities to disastrous environmental, financial, and human consequences. One of these consequences is that state and municipal budgets will be faced with cuts to education and jobs in order to cover costs of climate disasters, adaptation, and mitigation. In other words, a hit to those public expenditures that foster more equity and opportunity. A second arena of advocacy is to rapidly reduce the carbon burning component of our public utilities. Allied groups are agitating at the State House for measures that allow wind and solar projects to flourish and remove the barriers to that. A powerful alliance of over 100 grassroots groups called Massachusetts Power Forward is spearheading this political objective. A protracted battle is underway against the public utility companies that outrageously are blocking sensible plans to achieve clean energy, energy accessible by all income levels. This month, the climate movement is targeting the Obama administration's woefully inadequate pledges for the Paris climate talks. Organizations are pressuring for pledges, much higher reductions in greenhouse gas emissions by 2025, and reparations for the damage that we have inflicted on others with the climate um, uh, results, impacts. Progress is happening more locally, though, where communities like Cambridge are enacting policies and programs to achieve net zero carbon at the instigation of grassroots groups such as Mothers Out Front and Green Cambridge. The increase in renewable energy in Massachusetts has direct economic benefit by reducing the flow of billions of dollars of exported economic value to out-of-state fossil fuel businesses. A third area is divestment. As long as we invest in the fossil fuel companies, we help prop up their political power. As long as that political power remains, the response to climate change will always come too slowly. They'll continue to make, a, make sure we never get a price on carbon to reflect the damage it causes. Our state pension fund holds over $1 billion in the top fossil fuel companies, and 350MA and Divestor Pensions Now are lobbying for a bill to remove those funds over five years. A divestment coalition of unions, environmental, and climate justice groups is forming to exert more pressure on elected officials to ensure a fossil-free portfolio. 
Money divested from public and private institution accounts could be invested in climate solutions, upgrading the grid, developing renewable energy installations, investing in conservation and energy efficiency, and training for green jobs. Climate activists see common cause with public transit justice activists also lobbying in the State House. The fourth area is carbon pricing considered a critical strategy for decarbonizing the economy. Another new coalition of citizens and business groups is gaining ground with a call for measures to place a price on the use of carbon. In other words, pricing to cover the external cost to society for dumping carbon dioxide into our shared atmosphere. Perhaps the most visible arena of the climate movement is resistance to new fossil fuel infrastructure. The fight is on to stop unneeded pipeline projects. The defeat of the Keystone Tar Sands Pipeline is tremendously encouraging and for which we owe huge gratitude to First Nation peoples and groups such as Bold Nebraska. But many fights are going on locally. Stop the Northeast Pipelines is organizing across Western and Central Mass and resist the Spectra Pipelines in Eastern Mass. A few elected officials across the region have questioned the need for new fossil fuel infrastructure, such as Attorney General Maura Healy. Her office this week issued results of an investigation into the supposed demand for more gas supply. The conclusion? The state can meet its electricity needs without the new gas. Another upcoming... Yeah. Another upcoming fight is against a proposed tariff by the utilities and endorsed by the governor to cover new fossil fuel infrastructure expenses of private companies. In short, transitioning to renewable energy is within our capability and already developed technologies, as is the policy know-how to make the energy transitions. The challenge now is building the social power. We saw the potential last year at the People's Climate March in New York City. That was what made the march so overwhelmingly joyful for me and I know for many others here today. What gives me hope is that the climate crisis could spur an economic transition and the potential for increasing prosperity across disadvantaged communities. People are seeing with new eyes, as Joanna Macy says, and the people are rising with a renewing kind of energy. I look forward to our connections and conversations today. Thank you, Susan Redlick, for featuring in this fourth segment of Building Sustainable Security. For more information about upcoming events, visit www.masspeaceaction.org. Thanks for tuning in, and have a great rest of your day.